Lord will see you walk, and he will hear you talk, talking to the angels in the sky. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is a special episode of Starting Out, at least for me. You may not know him for his comedy, uh, but his name has come up so many times uh, because of the impact he had on me and my start in stand-up. Um, it's uh, the guy who actually started comedy at Kaylee House, Mr. Izzy Camiso is my guest this week on Starting Out. I know uh, there's been a lot of nostalgia on this podcast before, and not all of you were there or get it, but this one takes the cake as we talk about the horrors of us uh, producing that show together, him hosting it before me, passing it on to me, that little, ugly, yet beautiful room for many years. Izzy talks about leaving stand-up to pursue a career in dispensaries both before and after legalization and how COVID really got in his way of coming back into stand-up. But I really just love catching up with my comedy brother. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with this pod in the next little while. I might take a break. It's summer and there's lots of stuff happening and I'm just... Anyway, if there's not an episode of a week, don't panic. I'll likely be back or something. But uh, thank you all for listening. I really do appreciate each and every one of you. Now here is me and Izzy Camiso. What's up, buddy? Not too much, man. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you, too. It's been a minute. It's been, like, I think seven years, maybe? About that, yeah. Jesus yeah, that, when did you move to Toronto? It was seven years ago. Seven years ago this August. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. That's cool. That's wild. How are you? Tremendous. I think I'm moving to Toronto. Oh, I got big, dude. Hold on. Did you? Oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> what happened? you a 360. And COVID Please. happened. Man. Oh, man. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, Damn. you're looking good too, man. Thanks, man. 40, 46 now. Uh, hanging, hanging in, I suppose. I don't know. I, I look terrible. I got things too. I'm still big. I'm, well, I'm still big. I don't know. You don't. don't. You look exactly the same. Just two middle-aged men showing each other's physiques. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, two chunky Italians. Two chunky Italians, buddy. It's so good to see you. You doing okay? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, man. I'm back at standup, which I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, I'm working in Toronto, back in cannabis again, which is nice. So nice. Hang in there. How about you? I'm doing well. Yeah. I mean, stand up is a little intermittent, like once in a while. I'm not doing it as frequently, certainly as before the pandemic, but it's going well, I suppose. Uh, what's it like for you, though, being back? Like, how long did you, how long of a break did you take? And did you actively like take a break? Well, so I took a little bit of time off uh, 2017, 2017 and 2018. So, okay. I was working in the uh, in the dispensary world before legalization. Yeah, it all that, seemed to like that seemed to really impact the Hamilton scene, like in terms of comedy. Like it just consumed a lot of comedians. There was a lot of money to be made, and a lot of comedians kind of got not. I don't want to say sidetracked, but sort of focused on that. You know, oh, yeah. making like making some money. And, sure. Yeah, I guess it's so. Sidetracked is right. <laughs> <laughs> uh so wait okay so let's go let's let, before we go all the way back so where were you at like comedy wise in your head when in like 2017 when this is happening because i know it always kind of fucked with you the the whole oh, yeah. stand-up game was 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 difficult on you psychologically which is difficult on most of us but particularly you i want to say 
Oh yeah, dude. I was super sensitive. I was very self-conscious about everything I ever did. I hated all of my material and I was just getting to a point where I was like happy with my standup mm. and then cannabis gig came along and they're just throwing money at everybody. So I was like, right. oh, I can pay my bills and not have to worry about it. And <laughs> it kind of became all consuming. And I did that for a bit and then yeah. got into the market and ran a bunch of those dispensaries for a bit. And then I came back and then COVID happened. <laughs> and yeah, I did like maybe a couple months of shows before COVID hit. And then I was like, off for no a bit shit. Again. What was it like? uh, Like, what was it like through legalization? Because you were obviously you were making a lot of money being really successful pre legalization. So when legalization happened, I only know people who kind of got fucked from it. Did did that happen to you? Um, Not initially. So I got I was fortunate enough to be a general manager from in a a legal dispensary from the start. Oh, they matched. They matched my pay from the black market, which yeah. was stupid in hindsight. Right. Like they should have done that. But I was one of the first 10 stores open. So sure. there were, the money was there. Yeah. So they were paying me fine. But it, my, like, it started to dwindle off like relatively recently, as you see now with all the stores in Toronto. They're right. Like, the money is not what they were expecting because not everybody smokes pot. <laughs> <laughs> And you've always been uh, you've always been quite open. Uh, I think even on stage about your you know current and past drug use. Uh, how did uh, you, no. always always? I mean that's the thing with you is like you're one of the more like you you talked about being sensitive, but you're also one of the more vulnerable people on stage where you'll talk about all your foibles. And you never oh, yeah. never had a problem with that. So like in working in that, like how did it? And you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but like, how did that mess with like your, you know, substance use or whatever working in, in that field? So it, in the legal side uh, and the black market, it was a problem because I had access to anything and everything. Right. right. Uh, so, you know, I, I had a couple of slip ups, but I stayed, I tried to stand on the straight and narrow just because I knew how dangerous it could be because it, not just having access to all of that, but, cops were involved so right, right, i tried sure. <laughs> i tried to stay out of trouble <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> when i got into a legal store i treated it like it was like a fortune 500 company i was no like shit. No, I'm not, yeah wow. like, not more like the first store that i ran was a 25 million dollar a year business jesus christ oh my god yeah, they let they let me do it <laughs> <laughs> I was at the helm by myself and I was like, you guys realize I'm a fucking dirty comic. I do at work. I would go by, I went by Sid instead of Izzy because I was afraid people were going to Google me and stand up <laughs> shit. Cause I used, I used to have a joke uh, on YouTube about, do you remember that time at Kaylee house when that medical student tried yes. to get a prostate exam? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, how could I forget the prostate exam offer? Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I had like I had stuff like that up on YouTube, and I didn't know what people were able to access. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to go by Izzy. I have to get like a, a an actual license from the government. My name is now, Sid, which is just another short form of my name. Wow. But yeah, 
That's, <laughs> that it's so I funny got... that you're working in drugs and you had to hide stand up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's hilarious. They weren't cool about it. They weren't cool. I was actually. It's. I say this a lot, but like I was more worried about getting in trouble with the AGCO than I was worried about getting arrested when it was illegal. Jesus, man. That's wild. That's a statement yeah, the, in and of itself. The, absolutely. The AGCO is, they were ruthless, man. They would show up like six people at a time and they'd scatter in the store, try to find infractions that they can throw at you. And they'd, they'd grill you like you were a criminal. And like they knew that I came from the black market. So they did not like me to begin with. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> so right. I was scared. Of, I was terrified of them. Jesus. Okay. Uh, I want to, so let's go back. Cause I don't even know if we've had this conversation. Uh, I will have already done an intro, so we'll, we'll take care of the context in terms of Kaylee house, but grow, you grew up in Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, Burlington. Burlington. Okay. Uh, but I, and, but affluent family, you guys had, you guys were okay. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. I mean, um, we grew up, uh, owning a, a chain of dry cleaners. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. you know, I joke the you know silver spoon kind of thing, sort of, but, but you know. not ideal because I know your your father passed away when you were quite young. Uh, that's uh, got to be a a massive thing to, to try to deal with. And I, I, how old were you? Were you like ten? Fifteen. Fifteen. Jesus Christ, man, that's yeah. Wild. Uh, you remember a lot. Yeah, dude. How many conversations did we have on Monday nights about serious shit? Like that was. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, at that point, like 15 and that happens are like, are you even thinking about comedy at that stage? Are you a fan of comedy? Are you a funny kid? Yeah. Um, I was told like, I, I hate saying the class clown, but like I was like, I got yeah. kicked out of a lot of classes. I was like permanently removed from three classes in high school. Damn. And at one point I had teachers that were like, if he plays game boy and doesn't disrupt the class, we'll let him stay and we'll just pass sure. him. Yeah, and it was like mainly because they felt like bad about me just losing a dad. So they're like, "This kid's a fucking pain in the ass," but Jesus. he seems to be quiet when he plays Game Boy. And uh, but to go back to the question about stand up or comedy, um, I was listening to you. You remember that song from Blink One Eighty Two that just goes "shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker"? I, I think the so, George yeah. Carlin bit. Yes. So it was a carbon bit, and this when my dad was still alive. So I was listening to that song in my room, and my dad barges in, and he's like pissed, and I think he's mad because I'm listening to swear words because I was like 13 or 14 at the time, right. maybe 13. And he's like, "No, here, listen to this instead." And he gave me a George Carlin. No cassette. way. Yeah, he's like, "This, wow. this is where it came from." And, and then I was hooked ever since. And then he started giving me like Cheech and Chong cassettes, prior cassettes, and I was hooked. I wanted to do it. It's uh, it's I don't know, I don't know if Mace's dad was exactly like that, but it sort of there's seems like a lot of similarities there, just in terms of like fathers who really kind of fostered that in you guys. Yeah, you know what I mean at like such a young age and tried to promote that, and it's just yeah, it's crazy that you both lost you know lost them at at those sort of pivotal ages. Were you like I, I I there's no nice way to ask this question, but like how how much did it mess you up? Dude, you I couldn't even describe it. Like yeah. I, I there's points I'm 35 now and I still get choked up talking yeah. about it. It's 20 yeah. years. Yeah, I know. Uh, 
you know, like if, if the, you know, if I'm with my mom or my brother and like something comes up, there's like a real strong chance that I can cry yeah. or even watching like fucking modern family. I seen interaction right. with like Luke and Phil. I'm like, I didn't have yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I got, some, I have some therapy to, to work through, which I didn't, I found Percocets and cocaine <laughs> instead. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, and and stand up, and I work through it. Like you've seen me try to work out bits about my dad, and you can tell that the like the audience is smart; they can tell when you're not over something and it's not right. funny yet. Right. So like I abandoned those that kind of material because it just felt disrespectful. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna work on my fingering material instead. <laughs> You did have a lot of strong fingering material. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about strong, but it was good. It was was (laughs) solid. Um, So, okay. So when do you start, like, so you're going through high school. Are you thinking about, are you thinking you could try stand-up in high school or when when does the thought enter your mind? So in high school, I was, I was more music focused, but. Oh, right. You were in bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I I was in bands. So we were playing shows three to four nights a week minimum. And I was still in classes. So I would fuck around on stage and I would tell jokes from, you know, from the stage and some of them would land after a while it would piss off my singer and he'd like request a song. (laughs) I not give me a mic, but, uh, (laughs) but I like was actively like writing and trying to like be funny yeah and um, within the band too like we would write sketches and like videotape stuff so like mm. there was always that aspect of it in my life and like i wanted to get it get involved in comedy somehow i knew that it wasn't just going to be me playing bass because nobody likes the bassist anyways <laughs> it's true <laughs> <laughs> uh are like okay so at what point do you become aware of any semblance of a scene around you or like access to comedy uh at 19 or 20 my brother put me on to um the toronto facebook page oh okay. so he's like he's like if you really want to take a go at it man like find stuff in the community he's like here come here sit down so we're at Mm. the computer he just types it in he's like this looks like a good resource and then he just went on my facebook page and just started following things that would like you know be beneficial for me and he was way more tech savvy not that that you know, you need to be that tech savvy to join a Facebook group. But like, sure. I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know that like you could access that stuff in your local community online. And then, uh, and then I took the Humber stand-up program because I didn't have the balls to go up on stage by myself yet. No shit. And yeah. Yeah. I didn't last very long. I dropped out after a month. But, okay. Why? But uh, I was 20 20 21 or 22 and the rest of them were like 18 17 18 year old kids that just graduated oh yeah and, uh i just like didn't feel like i fit in i felt like a creepy old man even though i wasn't much older than them like, <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 but um i i got i got some some stage time out of it they let me go on humber night uh at yuck yucks which is like the t- seven o'clock tuesday show before yeah. the actual like and that kind of got my feet wet and then i was just like fuck it i can just go up every night by myself i don't need to pay for this this class but i mean okay so I, let's talk about your actual first time on stage but that's interesting because 
most people who take the course or take the program or take like a class, they love the structure of it. And they, they kind of embrace the structure of it because the, because it is daunting going out on your own and doing it. So, so let's like walk me through your actual first time on stage. Where was it? How did it go? And then, and then to the decision of like, well, I can just now do this because you're the first person who's actually said that. So, yeah, I, I I didn't care for the structure. I was a bad student throughout, like, mm. all of my life. I dropped out of a marketing program at Fanshawe two times. So, mm. like, school was not for me. But yeah, yeah. the first time I went on stage was the Humber Night thing, Tuesday, uh, 7 o'clock Tuesday show, very early on because they started putting kids up right away. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just I, I t- didn't want to keep doing it because I was seeing a lot – I don't want to be disparaged. Like a lot of kids in my class are still working today. And there's some of them are super friendly. Ryan Dillon. Oh, yeah. Really funny. Yeah. Yeah, It started at the same time. Um, But I just felt really like forced. Mm. And the teachers, a lot of the joke writing for you. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. And that's when I, that's when I decided to just go out and find my own shows. And I just started booking my own shows instead. Because there is fuck all in Hamilton and Burlington at that point. Uh, so what do you book first? Is it, is it Kaylee or is it something else? Yeah. It was Kaylee. It was Kaylee. No shit. Kaylee was like, yeah, I was like six months deep at that point. I should not have been running a show, but again, thanks to my brother, he was the DJ at Kaylee house and they were looking oh. for more. And he's like, just give a show to my brother. He'll just host a uh, house of comedy night. And yeah, I just started running that. Um, Who's in in that in that six months? Like, who's what's the Hamilton scene look like in those six months? Um, so I first started going to Corktown, which was Pat Coppolino's room. Yeah, and it was like um, Anthony Malekas was there a lot. Davin, obviously, Manolis is obviously a massive staple, and Pat uh, Mace Mace Maloney was there. Jordan Shear was there. So I was around like like killers like these yeah. guys were awesome start too like mesa was baffling yeah, like i, I couldn't know. believe it. this kid was like unbelievable yeah and uh there was it was just that was our only room and then there was um the yuck yucks on the mountain which was next to hooters right and that was it <laughs> <laughs> did you ever do that room never it, it closed before i got there or before i started Oh, okay. So yeah. you missed out. It was I hard. It was a hard fucking room, man. Like it's not like uh, levity in Hamilton is now, where it's like right. a packed room every night. At, like every Wednesday, it's like ninety people, and they all want to laugh. Yeah. But there's only the two options, so I was like, yeah, I'll start something else. Jesus Christ. Okay, so you decide to start Kaylee. Why do you choose a Monday? <laughs> I didn't choose it. That's when they said I could do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so and I, don't, I don't even know how long Kaylee I, so what year do you figure you started Kaylee I could I'd have to check to, I want to say like 2013 maybe 2014 I I'm really bad with time frames that's man. okay that's okay I, I'm just trying to figure out because I I think I started in 2015 I think I'm eight. Okay. Years old. So I would have started coming around, but I would have started coming around in 2014. 
Because if you remember, I was well, yeah, just coming great. around and hanging out in the back of the room for months and months and months yeah. on end. I think it was like spring or summer or something like that, like maybe June of 2014. And so, so I want to hear about your first time. Yeah, actually, you talk about your first time, then I'll talk about my first time at Kaylee. Yeah, well, I. It's funny you mentioned that because I forgot. I totally forgot that me and you would like hang out every now and then. It's like, oh, you'll get up and do it. And yeah, I had yeah, no yeah. business. No business talking to you about your first time. I was like a fucking a year in, two years in talks. But uh, yeah, the first night there was fucking rough, man. There was <laughs> there was eight people in the room that did not know there was a comedy show happening, yeah. and then four people showed up for the show because I paid for Instagram ads. Nice. And it was fucking hard to get them to stay. I'm mm. this is my first time hosting. I've done some spots at this point, but I've never hosted. Like I've never Jesus ran the race. And I'm just like grasping at straws to get people to stay. I'm trying to engage with them. And I was just eating shit. And they gave me, so they gave me uh, a bar tab and like 50 bucks wow. and that 50 bucks went back to the bar anyways. So I was just getting everything. <laughs> And I was like nervous as shit. I wasn't really doing drugs at this point. I was still like, still kind of behaving. But yeah, like I walked a couple people and then I put like, you know, Manolas up and I was crushed. And it like gave me a little bit more confidence to get back up there and just keep the show moving. Yeah. And yeah, the bartenders at first didn't really like us. And then I became friends with all of them because I yeah. started using have to buy them all shots and then that's how you went over <laughs> any nice. bartender but yeah the, the beginning was a, it was a rough start and it didn't really click and become a thing until like six months into it when we moved onto the side patio oh yeah because yeah. that was a little bit more like a club like we had a, like an awning and shit yeah and it felt indoorsy even though we were outside and we would get people that were walking by that would just yes. like walk up and sit down so yeah it ended up it ended up being an all right spot, but it was a show up go up open mic, which is never yeah. the best for an audience member. No, God no. How did you have the perseverance? Was it just naivete to like keep it going every week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I figures. I just I just needed stage time, and I was so oblivious to how bad I was. Yeah, right. Not that right. I'm like a, a monster now by any means, but like, dude, I was fucking eating shit. Yeah, <laughs> man. I had a joke about being a Virgo and it was like, oh, but I lost it when I was 15. Like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) So, so, so we'll flash forward to you're running it for about a year. It's June, 2014. I think I'm at work. I'm working at McMaster university, miserable that I'm living in Hamilton because I didn't really want to live there. Didn't know anybody. had no friends there. Um, and the stand-up thing had always been in the back of my mind. And I had hung out with a couple friends at a friend's cottage. And they're all musicians and whatever. And I played in bands with them. And I told them that I wanted to do stand-up. And once I said that, that was like, now I have to. Right? And so literally I was at work one Monday. And I Googled comedy open mic Hamilton. And the first thing that popped up was Kaylee House. And I was like, I live near Hess. And I, I'd never been to Hess because I didn't go, I didn't do anything. Like my girlfriend would come on the weekends. It's not like we'd go to Hess Village or whatever. So I didn't even know anything about what Hess was. So I went that night and I am a fucking 
idiot loser who's on time for any and, and everything. So it said like show starts <laughs> show starts at nine a or nine p.m. I think I showed up at like eight twenty five, and yeah. I just go into Kaylee House and I sit there. Uh, I'm the only one there and just order a drink and I'm just sitting there. And then I'm just like, what am I doing here? Like, this is crazy. I don't know what what the fuck I'm doing. And then slowly people start coming in and, and then I, and then you came in and I didn't know who you were, but I see you start setting up the show and I realized, Oh shit, I'm sat right in front of where the stage is. Like, I'm like, if you think about where we're at on stage, you've got like that wall on the left. I was like second from the wall. Right. So like dead center stage, basically. And then more and more people are coming and I can tell everyone kind of knows each other and I'm just keeping to myself, not saying anything. And then this weird guy comes and sits beside me and he's like all up in my space and he's setting up his video camera. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And it was fucking Manolis. It was fucking fucking Manolis just like rubbing (laughs) up against me and his leg is touching mine. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Um, I had no idea. But then, and then the show starts and I'm just sort of there and everyone's, of course, I think I'm the only audience member. So everyone's only talking to me and I, it was, which was kind of strange show ends. And then just because of where I was, there was like Jordan Hoth was there and Devin was there and Moses was there and Mace was there and Shearer was there. And they all start talking about comedy and they're talking about like Hedberg and these people that like, I could never talk to anyone else about Hedberg because no one in my life knew who the fuck Hedberg was. And all of a sudden I just felt like, Jesus Christ, this is the first time I've ever been in my element. And I'm like, this is yeah. unbelievable. Just hearing all these guys talk. And anyway, I went home just completely exhilarated and then wrote some jokes. And then it took me eight months <laughs> to work up the nerve. And then I would That's come so every fucking week. I'd come every week to Kaylee and then every Wednesday to Yucks uh, for the amateur night and just sit in the back of the room and keep to myself uh and then it just yeah and then yeah eventually obviously got to know all of you guys and you especially and you were all so encouraging and the only unfortunate part is my very first time you weren't there uh mace was hosting oh shit yeah mace was hosting at kaylee that's crazy i didn't even know that yeah i would also thank you for not uh for saying you should have been at 25 and not throwing me into the bus for not starting on time because oh that god never start. never start should not start only on did time. it never start on time even though we had the same equipment every fucking week you never knew if the equipment was ever going to work it was always stressful setting that show up so i think i was like seven months into doing stand-up when you asked me if i wanted to host one night and that was just like what the fuck like so once i did my first set and then and then my second set ever i bombed harder than i've ever bombed at kaylee house than i've ever bombed anywhere my second set and that was like the best lesson i learned and then i just kind of started doing the shows and we'd go to the station in in uh brantford and you know all these things and then do emerson and do this and do that and not very much but then when you asked me to host uh that was like that was huge and then you asked me to like co-host and like co-run it with you but i was like probably like not dissimilar to you i there's no way i should have been trying to run a show at you know seven months into stand-up or whatever it was yeah but look at you now you know what you're doing so i think there's um there's a guy in hamilton now i don't know if you've met him he's the door guy at levity he runs the lazy flamingo now oh uh johnny yeah yeah i love johnny he's a great kid yeah, me too. He's the best. And like, I see a little bit of myself in him because like he started out relatively recently and he's already yeah. running a room. Right. And I think it's kind of, you know, if you're starting out, the, you're doing yourself a little bit of a disservice by not starting a show. Yeah. yeah. 
you're probably not in a position to be doing it uh, material wise, but you'll, you get used to it. And then you yeah. start building up material, yeah. or, you know, the chops to do crowd work or something. But if you have, if you have access to a room and you're not like interested in doing it, it's like, it's, I don't know. I kind of think it's like, a little silly not to take the opportunity, but also like the amount of muscles that it builds in you, because like, let's take Kaylee house. You've got you've you're you've got to manage you've got to manage the egos of all the comics. And when we say all the comics, you're talking about someone who's showing up for their first set ever, who's like eager and wants to get on. You can tell by their body language what they're there for. You and then you've got you know the the sort of regulars of like Moses and Zeus and and Mace and Jordan who are like you got to get them on and give them like a good spot. Then you've got to manage yeah. Manolis and Gavin and like when do they want to go on and how much time do they want to do and whatever. Then you've got to manage the audience. And oh, yeah. whatever audience you're going to fucking have. And then you've got to manage the bar and you've got to manage fucking crazy people walking in. Like you're just managing so much. So the amount of muscle development is crazy oh, yeah. for a new comic at a show like that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's nice that, you know, obviously comics like, like are aware of it or some comics are aware of it. Not always. Like mm -hmm. I would have comics that hated my guts because like they and still to this day, there's some guys that don't like me because I wouldn't give them stage time when I, you know, at my other rooms or mm. they weren't happy with the spots that they got. I mean, it's like, man, like I'm trying to fucking run a, a show here for yeah. us to have room to work out exactly. long term. I'm not going to just throw you on when you want to go on and you're going to fucking tank it. I'm already tanking it. We right. can't all be taking it. Like I can't <laughs> keep going from my friends to be like, all right, Manolas, you go up and fucking do something to fix it. Or like Gavin, you go up now and do that. Like people yeah. got bumped all the time at Kaylee House. And that all was just time. because I was, I was inexperienced and like I needed to have the ability to like, you know, move people around to keep the flow going properly. <laughs> but I, I, I figured all those kind of kinks out and then did collective arts. Right. And that was like the, it was three comics only. Yeah. And that that's where people really started to hate my guts. Cause I didn't right. book very many. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just started uh, in the last year, I guess I started hosting at absolute uh and it's oh, like in intimate intimidate what's that i said i saw that man congratulations oh thank you chance. thanks um and it's intimidating and because it's it's so structured and it's so like you're responsible for everyone's time and you've got to get the headliner on at a very specific time and so it's it's high pressure in terms of managing the material you're going to do at the outset uh how much yeah. material you have to do in between blah 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 but it's like i know that I couldn't do this eight years in if it wasn't for fucking Kaylee House for those like two oh. years that I spent at Kaylee House. So you, I owe such a, a, a debt of gratitude to you, dude, for like throwing me into the fire and for embracing <laughs> me and giving me all those spots. It was it was amazing. So thank you. Yeah, dude, and don't mention it. I enjoyed it. It was fun to you know hang out with you. That's why. And it's like people don't realize it's just like the like you know applying for a job people hire based on who they like hanging out with yeah it's i'm not going to ask someone to co-host with me if i find you annoying like i like hanging out with you <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. All right, dude let's fucking hang out like all right yeah i need help this week let's host it together yeah and then we had all the girls night out stuff and all of that. Like it was just, there was just so much happening and it's easy to romanticize that time, but that time was, a you know, it's the nostalgia is true. I think for that time, it was a great fucking time. It was really, really, oh, yeah. you know, and it's, 
it's funny to talk about the nostalgia of it. I was at uh, Kaylee, well, now called Moody's. I was at right. the same bar yeah. uh, on Saturday with Pat and his wife. And I wow. made, I was like, oh, dude, we're literally sitting where the stage was. And I said something else. And Lindsay's <laughs> like, we get it. You miss Kaylee House. I'm like, yo, fuck <laughs> off. Like, it was a huge part of my life. It made, it, it, was, it was so formative for me. Like I made all these friends there. And I, yeah. I cut my teeth there. Saw some crazy shit. I got fingered in the bathroom there. <laughs> <laughs> and like, just like the, you know, you would deal with like white people saying the N word this week oh. or the next week. The only audience are three, you know, dancers from the Hamilton strip who are trying to get poor comics to buy them top shelf liquor. Or you've got yeah. the crazy woman who would come in who would talk about she was dying. And like it was just I I just and and especially hosting, you know, because I had a nine to five job. I'd get I get home at like 1 a.m. and just feel like I got the shit kicked out of me. But then just couldn't wait for the next week. Seriously. Like, honestly, could not wait for the next week. Even though it was just like, you're beating up because all the comics are annoyed at you. You didn't do this. You you said the wrong thing. You didn't address. I remember vividly that guy, that regular who would say the N-word all the time and like trying to address that as a host and like, and, and try not to piss them off and try not to piss the comics off. There was so many times you just feel like, yeah, all you motherfuckers are just like beating the shit out of me. Uh, and I'm just going to go home and go to bed. But, uh, but then you just it, come Monday morning, you're like, yep, tonight it's on. Let's do this. Yeah, you know? dude, I used to get, it was, like, I, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm sensitive. I get really bad anxiety. Mm-hmm. Every Monday when I pull up, I would have to, not to like psych myself up to do it, but I would have to take mm-hmm. a couple deep breaths ahead yeah. of time because yeah. I'm going to get bombarded by fucking, you know, so many people that are going to bitch about their spot or they're going to yeah. go over or ask for more time. I'm just like, okay, and let's then- go do it. It's the middle of the show and you're, and I'm stressed as fuck trying to just manage all this stuff that we're talking about. And then you just see a bunch of idiots just having a great time on the street, you know, waiting for their spot or they've already done their spot and everyone's enjoying themselves or they're all drinking and having a good time. And you're like, yeah, I've got, I've got eight more comics to fucking go in this goddamn show on a Monday night. And I got to work tomorrow at 8am. You know what I mean? Like it was just, it was just bananas, dude, but what a fucking breeding ground, man. It was wild. No, it was fun. Like I remember just, I distinctly remember sitting at the back patio at that, like they used to have a bar out there, but it wasn't always open. I would just sit in there with the fucking ledge closed and I would just ignore people. I was like, you know what? I'm not fucking (laughs) dealing with it right now. I have my list right now. Okay, cool. And then I would like see everybody, everybody was always smoking in front of the the Kaylee house. So it's like, yo, Serena, you're up next. Like, hurry up. (laughs) I just like would not feed into anyone's really bullshit. Yeah. And and people like thought that like I knew more than I did. Like some of the newer guys would ask me for like tags and shit like that. I'm like, you're talking to the wrong guy. Like, you know what happens? (laughs) They'll also give you a tag when you deserve to be exactly. <laughs> given a tag. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so I don't remember how it happened. I don't know if I passed Kaylee on to someone or if Kaylee shut down or I can't remember how it sort of ended, but like you were working, I think in the dispensaries and you weren't doing as much stand up. So talk about when you came back to stand up pre pandemic. So it was 20, 20- 2018 I was working in a legal shop and um, I was doing spots intermittently like I would go do 
uh, levity. Or no, that'd be, I guess it'd be 2019 at that point. Just before COVID, yeah. So I just came back and started doing spots there. But like new new stuff or old stuff? Like what, what new is your material? Like material? Yeah, yeah like, I did new okay. material. Cool. Um, I was writing here and there. And I like I hated most of my act anyways. Like I brought a couple things back. I'm not gonna lie, like my Honda Civic joke. I'm sure you yeah, yeah, do that. Sure. Yeah. But um, like I brought that back, but like I changed it up like a lot and it works. But I was just doing, you know, different shit and mm. in a similar similar voice, because like I'm just I'm a pervert through and through. So <laughs> like, like I, it changes the content of the act didn't change as much as it was like my writing ability got a sure. lot stronger. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I jumped back in and then COVID happened and all shows got stopped. I had a shit ton lined up. Like I was, you know, booked to go do some stuff in Toronto. I was booked mm. in KW, all that, like our whole little circuit that we do. Yeah. And that all came to an end. And when it opened up, it opened back up again. I just didn't know what to do. It's just like, I got so used to being home alone all the time. I was in like a huge aggressive spell. I just didn't really want to get around people again. And the thought of like starting from scratch was like, oh, it was, it was draining. Damn. Yeah. Really starting from scratch again. Like, right. It's it's how it feels at least because I don't have the same contacts, the same network that I used to. So, yeah, I can see that. So, like, socially, it's, yeah, mess with your head and Jesus Christ. Okay, so, like, where are you at now? I'd say I'm, like, I'm at the stage where, like, maybe, like, a five-year comic is. Like, I'm, material is not, like, dog shit. I know some people. I can go work rooms. Um, I'm, I'm doing a lot of guest spots at Levity now, which is really good. I actually get weekend work. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm actually working with Brian O'Gorman this Thursday at, Amazing. at yes, Toronto. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. So I'm, I'm getting stuff, I'm doing stuff again, but it's like not the same amount of spots as I was doing before. Mm, yeah. 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 Like early Kaylee days, I was, there was a point where I was running Kaylee house, collective arts and Gallagher's all at the same time. Jesus. So I was, running three shows by like by myself i had people helping me and i was doing spots in between so that like i was up every night yeah, i'm not doing yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fucking, my back hurts <laughs> i'm tired <laughs> i have a full-time job so like you know i don't i don't really subscribe to that you have to go up every night mentality anymore i like look at more quality shows if anything yeah yeah that's awesome it was a weird it was a weird like I guess six, seven years ago, whenever I moved back to Toronto from Hamilton, it was a weird, like, cause going from the camaraderie that we all had um, to Toronto was like a stark, stark difference. Right. And now I'm like lining up for open mics. Yeah. Yeah. It was brutal. I had a, I had a rough, like several months in Toronto before like things started to like get a little good, which I know isn't that long, but it was, it was kind of rough. But I remember back when everyone was getting along and everyone talked and all that stuff i i got it gavin asked me to open up uh for a show with him in in kitchener i think it was uh oh dude we have to talk about this actually who is the guy in kitchener who ran those shows sandy uh, no not sandy the guy no the guy uh, that used to do it. no the um sorry the brown guy 
Um, oh, um, Sohail? Sohail. So actually, before I tell that story, yeah, before I tell that story, let's, I got to tell, we have to, we have to, I have to talk about this story. This is my most memorable show with you ever. So it's you and I get booked on a Sohail show. You're going to do a middle spot. I'm going to do an opening spot. So you're like, do you want to drive to Kitchener together? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So you and I drive to Kitchener. It's a snowstorm. Okay. But we make it in good time, whatever. We get to the show and Sohail goes, um, all right. So here's the thing about the show. There's going to be um, a pub crawl rolling through here in the middle of the show. Uh, but just deal with it, uh, and it'll be fine. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, and Izzy, you're headlining, and Nick, you're uh, emceeing, uh, because oh, the because the, the MC and headliner from Toronto decided to turn around because the snowstorm is so bad. And so, yeah. and he's just like, and I gotta leave. So it's your show. And I've never ho- like I'd hosted at Kaylee once or twice, but I'm like what the fuck? And you're like, what the fuck? I've got a headline. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so we're in this like, we're in this massive like country bar or whatever it was. And we're just like, what the fuck do we do? There's the stage. Everything is set up at least. And it's like a minute before I I'm about to go on and start the show. And the, the pub crawl rolls through and literally like 90 people. It goes from like, there's eight people there to see the show to now there's 90 fucking drunk people walking or walking in and sitting down and they're not there for the show. There's literally eight people there for the show and 90 people. So I go on stage and try to start the show somehow and no one's listening. Uh, and I'm just meandering my way through it. I don't even think there's a middle act. I think I do like maybe 10 minutes and then bring you up. And then I think in the middle of your act, the, the pub crawl leaves. And so there's left, like there's like maybe 30 people left and you do a joke about, uh, drunk driving oh yeah my dui bit and some guy from the some meathead from the back goes fuck you you fucking asshole that's fucking bullshit and you're like what what's wrong you just thought you were dealing with a heckler and he fucking rushed the stage he rushed you he wanted to beat the shit out of you uh yeah for doing that bit i think security came in and tackled him and my my number one memory from that night is you get off and we pass the bucket around Cause then we're going to get paid. And there was a fucking tampon in the bucket. There was like $5 and 63 cents that 30 people donated and a fucking tampon. And I just looked yeah. at you. I was like, this is, yep. This is comedy at this level. This is what it is. That is my most Izzy Camiso memory. That's so fucking funny, man. I, I was telling somebody about that story recently. I didn't realize it was that night, but yeah, yeah. I remember him rushing the stage because somebody asked me, like, have is there any joke that like I wouldn't do now? I was like, mm-hmm. Ew, yeah, I got it. Mm-hmm. And I thought about this. And yeah. Uh, yeah, the joke was just like about me having a DUI, I called it a loser whistle. And by <laughs> no means just like no means am I glorifying a no. DUI. And I like I felt bad because the guy clearly just lost somebody and there was yeah. an emotional thing. But he rushes the stage and I fucking panic. I didn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that was crazy. Yeah, security grabbed him, put him in one of those movies like yeah. super quick. Yeah, and then yeah, having to pass the bucket around after it was so embarrassing. I'm like, I'm a giant pussy. I almost got my ass kicked. <laughs> Can I have some change? <laughs> 
we also ha- I also have a really good memory of of going on what felt like a bit of a road trip, but like you and I drove to Richmond Hill one night to do Liam Kelly's show. And that was one of the first times I did a show outside of our little circle, outside of like the KW, uh, you know, Brantford kind of area. You and I drove and there wasn't a lot of people there, but we had a great time. And and Liam yeah. Kelly was great. And we had it was a fun show. There was like maybe four people in the audience, but it was just nice driving there with you and having that experience doing the show with you and then driving all the way back was. Yeah, I, I think about that often. It was great. Yeah, Dude, yeah. me too. It's fun. Like those those car rides are like formative. You kind yeah. of. You, you you talk about the craft, you work out material a little bit yep. without it being weird where you're running bits on each other, yep. but like you talk totally. about your act, you tweak things and you like take other people's advice and the car rides up are just sometimes more fun than the show itself. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, I was, I was out with Jordan and Gavin once and we went to Sudbury, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you came with us. I forget. If I did go your... on that trip. I went on a different Sudbury trip with Gavin. Yeah. Did you go to Fatty's, the strip club? No, no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we get we get to the to the ven- not to the venue, sorry, the hotel that they're putting us up in, and we immediately get accosted by some person uh, that is on drugs and homeless and in a very you know, bad situation right. runs up to me and Gavin. He goes, Hey, qu- you guys want steaks? And Gavin's like, no, <laughs> fuck off. Jordan. Gavin gets pissed off about it. And Jordan's just like, yeah, I want some steaks. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> She's like, all right, give me five bucks each. And then Gavin wouldn't want, didn't want anything to do with it. So I gave her a 20. Yeah. I see her run across the street to the grocery store and just come back with a bunch of steaks under her shirt. <laughs> I just gave her 20 bucks to go steal steaks for us. It was a fucking amazing experience. It's like that kind of stuff doesn't happen to people that don't do stand up. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. If you're going on a boys trip and you're just right. like, oh, we're going to go to Niagara for the weekend, you don't get, you don't come back with stories like that. <laughs> you only come back with stories like that if you are struggling in the Canadian entertainment industry. <laughs> driving fucking two, three hours to do 10 minutes of material to, to get paid $15. It's crazy. It's wild, man. It's so wild. It's, and it's like, I've, uh, I've made like a, a handful of good friends in the Toronto scene, like, uh, like Monty Scott and Daryl Purvis, who I, I do a, a different podcast with and, you know, Barry Taylor and Nick Reynoldson and, and the comedy records crew. Um, but it's still like, I still talk to Gavin weekly. I still, you know, I don't talk to Manolis that often, but every time we do, it's like nothing has changed. I still love Pat. I use fucking Devin's songs in the podcast. Like Jordan, I talk to on on a monthly basis. You know what I mean? Like it's still, I still have so much connection with all those dudes. You know what I mean? That is just, I, I don't really think we'll ever go away. Anytime I run into Zeus in the city, it's the most amazing feeling. You know what I mean? It's, it's just so goddamn rad, you know? It's like a brotherhood, man. It's like we have all these, these people like and, and there's i'm guilty of it too like i don't keep in touch with everybody because you meet so many fucking comedians yes but uh yeah it's it's always cool to have that like i when i came back this time around and i was started going to these spots in toronto i was worried about like i was saying earlier about like not having the same network that i used mm-hmm. to but like i said people still recognize me which is great and some people were like oh i'm glad you're back and it's nice to catch up, but like yeah. you, you do kind of have to make an effort to stay yeah. in touch with some people. It's so true. And isn't it rad that it's like, um, I, I'm so 
happy and proud for Pat and Manolis, like with what they've done with levity, but it like, it feels like, cause you walk in there and it feels kind of like home because you've, you've got this, like, at least for me, that was this, I think the second or third spot I ever did was on that stage. It was when it was yucks, but now it's that it's theirs and it feels that familiar. And to think about how far we've come from Kaylee to like, when you oh, walk yeah. into levity, it's like, Holy shit. Like some of us have made it, not us, but they have, and they're making it and they're making yeah. something. Do you know what I mean? It's just really, really fucking cool. Yeah. hundred percent. It's like Manolis and uh, Manolis and Pat are really holding the Hamilton scene on their backs with levity. And it's yeah. like, like you, like you said, when you walk in, it's you're lo- you're walking into Manolis's basement. You're, yeah, you're getting exactly. it pure Manolis's mind with all of his like decorations. It's the most unique club I've ever been to. Like it's fun yeah. to be Dude, like when I was working uh, in the the legal dispensaries, the company that I worked for spent an ungodly amount of money to build an Instagram wall where people yeah. would take like pictures of their Instagram right. and nobody fucking used When all this goes to Value Village, slaps together a bunch of tchotchkes and weird things that he finds. <laughs> Every time I go there, and you can look up on, on Instagram right now, there's just hundreds of people posting <laughs> selfies at this club. It's like, so true. <laughs> if it's only amazing. my old boss how cheap he could have made an Instagram wall for. <laughs> and when, and when, when I get like asked or when I've been booked there to do a weekend or, you know, host or whatever it is in, and then, and it's a great show and you're like, Holy fuck, this feels, so, this feels almost the best it could possibly feel. Cause it's one thing to do like a great show at absolute where they've been doing it for a number of years and it's kind of constructed to be great. But when you do it in what feels like a little bit of a home base, that's even more of a home base because of the familiarity of who's running it. It just feels phenomenal. It feels so fun. Yeah. You know, dude, when was the last time you went, uh, we're at levity levity. I was there last October. Okay. Yeah, last right. October, with Gavin. Uh, Gavin okay. was uh, headlining. I was MC. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I, next time you're next time you're in town, let me know. I'd Dude, that would be amazing. Town. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, so what's like? So are you back? Like, are you back in? Do you think? Do you think you're locked into doing to stand up? Yeah, 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 I'm locked in, man. Like, I got I got nothing else to do. You know? Yeah. Like I got my my job. I still work in cannabis. Uh, yeah. I I love it. It's a great opportunity that like stemmed from breaking the law <laughs> uh but i love it man i wouldn't do anything else i tried to do something else for a minute because the cannabis industry is kind of going to shit because there's mm. way too many shops and stuff but, like now mm. i work b2b but um when uh when all the stores started shutting down i took a job in cybersecurity for a minute to see if i could do something else and i my brain does not function in normal society man like mm. i need I need stand up. I need to do something weird and, you know, on my yeah. own terms. I found it with my cannabis job and stand up. So yeah, I, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I love it. Do you, okay. So the last question I usually ask is if you feel successful, I, I don't want to anticipate how I think you would ask that question, answer that question, but <laughs> okay. Your face says it all. What would make you feel successful in general? Uh, so this has not changed. This answer, would, if you asked me this when I started Kaylee House and asked me today, would not have changed. So for me, success would just be being able to work the roads entirely and make my living entirely on the road. That would be successful. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't need anything fancy. I don't want to be doing, you know, big, I would love to do big rooms, but like, I don't need all that. Uh, I just want to pay my bills doing stand up. That's it. Yeah. Amazing. 
Ah, incredible. Yeah. Buddy. What, about you? what is success to you? Like, where, where are you? Oh man. Uh, I started, uh, I started a new job about 18 months ago. Uh, that is, um, really sort of taxing intellectually because it's very strategic in nature. It's very like thinky and I have to, it takes up a lot of my energy. And so I've been really struggling with how to balance that with standup. Uh, truthfully, like I don't, it takes up so much energy that I don't write as much as I want to. And if you would come to see me now, you'd, you'd hear some jokes, maybe not that I did at Kaylee, but you'd probably hear some jokes that were somewhat familiar. And I, I, I do worry about getting stunted, into that sort of club comic kind of phase where like, this is my act and this is going to be my act for the next five years. That's bothering me a lot. Um, It's been good exercising the hosting muscle in a, in a, in a club where I like, you're actually doing crowd work for 10 minutes and like trying to do that and being comfortable with that and trying to be present. Um, I'm, I will say, and I've said this a bunch on this pod, but like after the pandemic, I'm much more, present on stage so i think one thing that might surprise you if you saw me you'd be like holy shit you seem so much more calm and just slower and whatever on stage than i ever was before so i really really like being on stage right now i really don't like my material i really wish that i had the balls to like push new material or new ideas or maybe explore things or maybe try to write on stage but i frankly speaking don't have the balls to do that stuff yet even though it's been eight years and i should um yeah, I just opened up for Daryl Purvis, who just recorded an album. And, you know, he's been doing it 20 years, and he's one of the better headliners we have in this country. And he was like, so when is it time for your album? I like, when are you going to record an album soon? And I was like, Jesus Christ, I feel years and years away from that. Like, I feel like I have like another... I don't know, four years away from where I could even think about having material that I would like to do in a you know 45-minute, 50-minute set, and then record it. So I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm in an okay place, but I, I, the pandemic just fucked the rhythm. It fucked the rhythm of everything, of everything. Of like going to a mic, trying it out, then taking it to a club and then doing it well. And then it being part of your act and you get rid of this old bit. It's just, everything is fucked for me, not fucked for me, but it just, the whole rhythm is fucked. I can't find my footing is basically where I'm at right now. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. It really yeah. fucked me over to I was coming back and then yeah. Got yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm doing spots like very infrequently, which I don't like. That makes me uncomfortable. I wish I was doing more spots, but then but then it's like, well, fuck, the job is really taking up a lot of my brain power, whatever I have left. And so and and it's going well. So I don't know. It's um I don't know what the next few years are gonna look like, but I'm just figure out some new routine and uh yeah man i don't know just go from there but yeah yeah that's where this is obviously this is taking up a lot of my time too like i wonder if like this podcast i don't and i and it's good and i like it still i think but it's like this is a lot this is a lot of my energy too and so i'm wondering if i didn't have this if a lot of my energy would be sort of directed back into stand-up do you know what i mean yeah, 100%. I mean, it's a different muscle too, which is a good yeah. thing. Like you're flexing your muscle, building up material, you know. Sure. It's, yeah. it's definitely good to do, but if you feel like it's detracting from your stand up, you got to weigh out the pros and yeah. cons and see, see which one, you know, needs more attention. Yeah. But uh, anything I can do, like anything I can do to help it, it, when you're, if you're in Toronto, I don't know that I can, but 
I mean, like, I got so much love for you, Izzy. Like, uh, you've been, you know, you're awesome. You're amazing. You you helped me so, so goddamn much and in a lot of ways that you probably don't know and a lot of ways where you probably feel like you're not that great of a person, but you're actually, like, an amazing dude. And uh, oh, you know me so well. <laughs> I know, I know. We're both sensitive Italian men uh, who yeah. can't really handle our emotions and uh, think we're pieces of shit when really we're not. We're just okay dudes. That's all we are. <laughs> Yeah, man. No, dude, I'm going to hit you up, too, because, like, I want to come out and watch uh, a show at Absolute. So, yeah, like, yeah, it'd be great. Where you're up next or whenever you're hosted. How, do you host weekly? No, well, no, you're on, like, a six-month schedule. So you host for an entire week, uh, and then yeah. you wait six months, and then you get another you get another week kind of thing. So I'm probably, probably be at Absolute Toronto sometime in September or October at this stage. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah that'd be now, amazing. Like, I work out of Toronto now too, so I drive into cool. the city every day. So, cool. yeah, hit me up up down to like even just grab dinner, or lunch, Let's or something. Or bikes, man. I think it'd be Would love so. All right, Izzy. Yeah. All right, dude. All right, bro. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. We'll talk All right. soon. Later. Later.